Hi, this is Brooke DeVard from Naked Beauty. Are you tired of feeling housebound? I sure am. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. It's a high-performance auto curler that's rechargeable and gives you up to 60 minutes of cord-free runtime. Just think of all of the incredible hair looks you can create in 60 minutes, unbound, away from your wall. Don't get tied down by cords. Love your look. Live unbound. Check it out at conair.com and search unbound. Hi, welcome to the Way of North podcast. My name is Jenny Hamar, and I'm hosting this round of conversations where we get to know the presenters of the upcoming Way of North in Rome. So a bit of a wild card in this upcoming Way of North is Finnish-born and Canada-residing speaker Toya Seipel. From near the Arctic Circle to Vaxholm, Sweden, we finally caught up and had a lovely chat, and she revealed what her thing is. What is she so good at that people fly her all over the world to help them with? So don't miss this short conversation, and don't, for crying out loud, miss her in Rome. You can hear me. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. This is my iPad. I have. This is just amazing, considering what happened last time. Yeah. And I always do like like last night when I came to my room, I checked, signed on onto Skype, checked everything. Everything worked. And now I have no sound in my computer at all. Oh my god! Well, it's like last time for us. I was yeah. trying to get it. It was just thinking and thinking, and I'm like, "This is so typical. Why is this happening? Yeah. It's like the universe is against me." <laughs> yeah, and it's also like I always because I travel so much. I'm so dependent on something working, you know, like yeah. somehow. And then everybody talks about how everything is so mobile and everything is so convenient. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Not when you need it. Yeah, to be. right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, in the idea when most of the time things do work. Yeah. Of for course. some, course. but so it's like you and I. We have clearly we are not meant to talk. I know, I know. Well, we're here now, even if it's for we ten minutes, now. just Let to get a just little. See what my time is. It's now ten thirty-four. Yeah, <laughs> this is so funny. It was luckily I wasn't rushing somewhere. And, and how is your time? I'm okay. You're okay. Good. Yeah. So let's take 30 minutes from here and we'll, we should be okay. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, sorry about that. And that's you so have to annoying. Go, um, you know, just let me know. Yes. So good. Where, where are you right now, Toya? Toya is how you say your name. Toya. 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 I am in my hotel room in the city of Rovaniemi, which is in the northern Finland, um, about 10 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle. Oh wow, you're. So this is capital of Lapland. You're right. Okay. And what the heck are you doing there? <laughs> what the heck am I doing here? I am here um, uh, participating in what is the world's northernmost uh, design week, the Arctic Design Week. Okay. This city has uh, organized. This is, I think, their ninth, eighth, or ninth year. Okay. And they invited me in six years ago for the first time to speak at uh, one of their main seminars. And I have been coming. They've invited me every time since. So this is my sixth time. That's good. You must be doing a good job. (laughs) And it is also funny because uh, 
when they invited me that year was the first year six years ago when I did anything at all in Finland in terms of public speaking or anything. I hadn't, since I moved away from Finland, I have never tried to do anything in Finland. It's I've been busy in in North America and in Canada in particular. So it was just funny how from that first year, yeah, so many neat things have come. And I really like it up here, although I'm not a winter person. I hate winter. Oh. I hate winter. I hate cold. I don't like that stuff at all. It's beautiful to look at and it's yeah. very pretty to visit. But I'm not a winter sports person. I don't have that sort of, you know, some people really miss it if they are not yeah. near near winter. I don't. So uh, for me, in terms of design, uh, what I really find impressive is that in the Arctic, design is always a question of life and death. Because you cannot afford to make mistakes. If you are in your reindeer skin teepee up somewhere in the north and you don't know how to build and design your teepee and the smoke won't go up through the chimney hole, you die. Your family dies. Or if you don't know how to do the door flap and the cold comes in, your family dies. So pretty much every mistake you make costs you a lot. Wow. So 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 we're not talking design in terms of handbags here. We're talking like life i i am talking i i think which is i always like to do the opposite or try to go against what everybody else is doing in that sense that you know what's my role my role is to be the sort of i see myself as the question asker Mm. that rather than give what would be the sort of the obvious thing especially Mm. when people invite me in in my role as the cool hunter or, you know, somebody sort of coming from that sort of trendy world, then I like coming at it from a completely different angle. Yeah. And again, of course, for these people here, especially the younger generation, it is a lot about, you know, designing beautiful furniture or lovely hotels or interiors or, you know, handbags or whatever it is. But for me, I really try to get them to thinking back mm-hmm. into why is this different? Because otherwise, you know, handbag is a handbag. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. so Arctic about a handbag that was designed here? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing, nothing Arctic about it. Right, right. And how do you make it? You know yourself, you know, Scandinavian design, you know, anybody can do it if you just do it the way Scandinavians have always done it. Yeah. So, but when you come to, in terms of what does design mean and what's the expertise that is needed to survive in this kind of environment Mm. that to me is interesting yeah that's nice and and also probably why they appreciate your 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 talks too because it's like something kind of you know you're shaking them up a little bit saying like let's and also just it's almost like i'm helping i hope helping um not just this audience, but maybe even hopefully in Rome when it comes to um, wedding photographers, helping people sort of really appreciate what it is that they are doing. Yeah, yeah. I think why is this, like, why do we call this Arctic design? What makes this Arctic? Because we have the tendency, because of, of the amount of data, information, tidbits that we get, 
we have the tendency of trying to be like everybody else, mm -hmm. trying to aspire to being like the ones we've seen, the, the best ones or the cool ones or the, the kinds that we aspire. And then eventually everybody becomes the same. Yeah. yeah you for you sure. don't, because you don't really appreciate your own difference. So what I'm trying to preach here, and I was uh, just in uh, December, early December, I was even further north here, uh, another 370 kilometers north from here, which is like, if you think of Finland, it's almost shaped like a human being. Yeah. So I was almost at the top, basically on the nose. <laughs> okay. So you look at the shape of Finland and you look at the head, I was on the nose in a little town called Inari, and I kept talking, I talked to the tourism uh, travel industry there, uh, and especially the Aboriginal or the, the Sami people, which are the original people that populate the Lapland area in both in Norway, Sweden, and, and Finland, and slightly also in, in Russia. It's sort of their country is, yeah. is curved up in the north. Uh, our current country borders don't really match their, uh, their ethnic and, and cultural um, uh, backgrounds. I was telling them that don't let anybody try to make you similar to everybody else or tell that what you are selling or offering is expensive or that you should offer it for less money. But this, you know, the, the uniqueness of the North is invaluable. It right. should be expensive. It should not be convenient and inexpensive. It should be cold and difficult and expensive. That's mm. the whole point. So when I think of things like wedding photography again, which is sort of behind why we are talking here today, I'm thinking, you know, like otherwise we just are just all the same. If none of us, if none of those people who are or would like to be or are developing to be wedding photographers, if they are all striving for the same thing, right, and, and approaching it from the same point will. What's the difference? Right. Price is then the only difference. Or marketing in terms of the bride happened to hear about you. And of course, word of mouth is, is extremely important. That I never um, sort of undervalue. But uh, but still, then you are running out of reasons to be different or, or ways to be different. And what would you say has, has brought you, if you, if you were to ask yourself that question about why you are traveling around the world, doing what you're doing, What's what's your kind of uniqueness or whatever you should call it? I mean, yeah, that's a really good question because one should take one's own pill in that <laughs> sense that you know if you are prescribing medication, yeah, you should uh, then have tasted it yourself. Not that doctors take every medication themselves; <laughs> they just know how it works. I'm pretty sure they do, but yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe let's leave that. But um, that's a good question. And I think I'm hearing it from the audiences and I'm hearing it from the people that I work with because I work with individual companies or, or you know, governments or cities or organizations of all sizes. And what I hear back is that it is the my value or my sort of expertise or experience is the ability to ask the stupid questions. 
okay. ability and courage, whatever that is, to ask the really dumb questions, like the, the ones that are really difficult. You are sitting in a boardroom with people that you've been working with for, for a long time and you're right in the middle of a big, you know, important meeting and whatever. Nobody's going to say, why the heck are we doing this? Mm-hmm. It's too late to be asking that from the inside mm-hmm. because it would make the situation so difficult. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, just like you are destroying this. You are not constructive now. You know, we are not. So I've often said that unless you can get a seven-year-old in the meeting, then you'd better hire somebody like me who is willing to ask because I have nothing to lose. And because I come from the outside and I really like being on the outside, and that's also one of the things that I will talk about uh, in Rome because I never fail to not talk about it, I always included that coming from the outside, that it is so difficult to see things from the inside. Mm. You become so completely blind. We know that, you know, your friend's marriage, you can see it's failing and they don't see it. It it takes them a long time or, you know, whatever. It's so difficult to see things from from the inside. And there is that fine line of, you know, yeah, like what's more, uh, what's easier than critiquing Mm. you know Mm. nothing is easier than just you know commentating and critiquing something you know that's the easiest thing to do especially if you offer nothing in terms of okay so what are we going to do now right but when you ask why questions when you ask the question why that lets the person you are asking or the organization or the whatever asking that question um gives them the opportunity to, in a way, save face or in a way really sort of stop for a moment and say, okay, what was it again? And that often opens the knots and sort of people start breathing freer because they, oh, yeah, this is why we were doing this. Okay, now we are too far into the sticks. We can't remember anymore why was it that we came here. Right. So I think my benefit and, and my value comes from being able to uh, ask those questions quickly sort of hone in. It takes me very little time to sort of sniff around what it is that is going on here mm-hmm. and then start asking those questions. Not necessarily nasty questions, not necessarily bad. My purpose always is to help. Yes. I'm a helper. I really like when I can see lights going on, when I can see people looking more relaxed, when I can see they're saying, okay, now we know what we should be doing. That is lovely. But uh, I also think that the other side of why I might be useful is the fact that I, having lived a long life and seen a lot of things, I've and always been incredibly curious. Like I just, I've, I've always been a question asker. Um, that you, you get to that point where you see the commonalities in things. The patterns. It doesn't matter what the, the topic is, what, what the industry is, what the, what the size of the organization is, how big the question is, it doesn't really matter. You start seeing, oh, yeah, that's exactly like that. Oh, mm-hmm. this sounds like that. Hmm, I wonder if that would work for them because it worked for those people. Mm-hmm. And then because I'm also really practical, I can see the big picture and then I can start helping them create that list of what should we do to fix this. Right. How can we fix it? I don't necessarily know the answers. Yeah. I trust that most people 
and most organizations actually have the answers. Uh, my job is to help them find them. It like, seems like my uh, my feeling is that one of your strengths is probably also to not, I mean, I, a lot of people in the world today have also a need, especially in businesses and whatever, to also be be liked. And I'm not saying you don't have a need to be liked, mm -hmm. but you are maybe not afraid to go through that painful phase of, oh, now that's annoying that she's asking that question yeah. or that she's really pushing the envelope with something. And and I, I recognize it because my husband is the yeah. same way. He has no, he doesn't, I'm too much like, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable, so I'll do this, where he has no problem just kind of forging ahead, asking those difficult things knowing that the reward on the other side is that kind of what you said, seeing that, ah, oh, okay, there's kind of a relief because it's now yeah. out in the open. I'm able to say what I want and I'm not like harboring all of these feelings. And get through that pain. And because I'm benevolent, like I'm not mean, I may be uh, somebody comp <laughs> recently compared me with an owl. I love owls. And somebody said that you're just like an owl, that you are wise cute and slightly scary <laughs> and i thought yeah okay that, let's leave that cute part but yeah yeah and the slightly scary is i think if i'm doing my job correctly it is that you're sort of saying like oh dear now there she comes oh Lord, what's no. she gonna do now <laughs> but you also know that i'm not there to rip your wings off right i'm there to help you fly yeah but sometimes so, that path is, is hard. I may be tough, but I'm not mean and I'm not I do want to be liked and I'm, and I really do think that the reason why I'm doing this, why I have found myself doing this now for the last sort of six years, um, is that fact that I really love helping people and I really like it when I can see, The lights going on and when when you then get the emails or the calls and saying like wow you know once once I talk to you now I know and I you know I often see that especially with smaller businesses uh, the type of creative businesses that I work with a lot too where people have to soul search a lot and, mm -hmm. and you know you can't make the money and you'd so much like to do this and you know I don't uh, and it, Sometimes I see my role as the person who gives you the permission to mm -hmm. not try to flap everywhere and sort of say, okay, this is what I need to do. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And I don't need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. Because comes a point, as you know, if you're lost in the forest, you are panicking and you're going every which way. And now you're tampering your own track so you can't find your way even back to where you came from. I'm laughing because as, <laughs> as probably one, this is one of my, this is yeah. not, I'm, I'm holding up a mind map here. That's like, yes. this was, I did in 30 seconds, basically, of all the things in my head that need to get done. So I'm completely your type of, you know, Uh, patient, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen similar things. I got one in front of me um, just last December when I was again in Finland and was talking, um, coaching a, a sort of group of small businesses, creative businesses, sort of one after the other. Everyone got an hour. And one lady came in with a map like that, but double the size. Mm -hmm. 
and and was sort of proud of herself for having done that. And I said, okay, yeah, I don't even let's just you know keep it back there so that I don't even see the the words or the whatevers. Like, look at it. Yeah, nobody can find anything through that. Right. So you know, do you agree with me that that is too much? Yeah, that is just that's chaos. And also, in, in her case, most of the things were the same size. Most of the the bubbles were the same size. Most of the distances were the same. So it's like you're just going around in a tight, tightening circle and going crazier and crazier and mm-hmm. dizzier and dizzier because you can't find your way. So when you are, like they often say that if you're lost in the forest, you should sit down and not move. Mm-hmm. Because then you don't tamper your own, like the way you came from. Because yeah. you came from somewhere where you were not lost. Right. Okay. So you have now arrived to a point where you're lost. So if you keep going back, forth, you know, left, right, and, you know, back and forth, you will lose your escape route. And you also will just become frantic, consume all your energy, and it won't help you. You are wasting time. You are wasting time. And... And you're not producing anything. And I'm not saying being lost is in any way a wonderful thing. I fear that most my most of my nightmares were are about being lost. Oh, really? Yeah, like being lost and being in a city where I used to know where everything is, and then suddenly I walk the same street and it's not there. Okay. And I don't know why that is so horrifying. It's an interesting thing, and let's not get into that because dreams are like another uh, story. But I think that the with that case and with your map, for example, what I think one must do is sit down and really, really think about what it is where your heart just totally sings, like where you just feel so happy and things are so easy, like it's not even work. It's so easy. And mm-hmm. it's like your eyes light up, you know, you lose 10 years of your, your age, you know, you just mm-hmm. become happy. So that's sort of your best scenario. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's always that you have to make money, you have to sell, you have to do all that. And that's not necessarily exact opposite, but it's on, you know, on, in another box. Usually, yes. Usually, And then you have to find a way, like some sort of a path. It's almost like the path that isn't there, but you know you can create if you just go one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely difficult. If it were easy, nobody would need me and companies wouldn't get lost, big and small. And, of course, we can talk about greed. We can talk about blindness to world problems, all those other things that lead bigger and smaller organizations in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. But if you are trying to make a living in a creative business or any sort of small business, you can't clone yourself. So you really have to be true to yourself. The self is really important. And what do you, what do you, having worked with different kinds of people, what would you say is common for just creatives? I think, and that is sort of why I, gave um, the Way Up North uh, group the the sort of the tagline that I did about the curse of knowing and about sort of feeling, trying to, that my goal is to help people find that path or find the, the, the route to where they may want to go. 
and it has to do with most, I, I see two things. One is that people get frantic so that they have already gone many, many directions and sort of semi-exhausted uh, themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they panic, you know, like this is not happening. You know, I'm just, you know, working my tail off and I'm not making the money and this is no longer fun and I'm dealing with people I don't like and I hate my clients and I'm poor and, you know, all those things that happen. And then there is the other one who is sort of doing pretty okay, but is too lazy maybe, or too uninspired, too they're not passionate enough to improve the mm-hmm. trade, mm-hmm. the quality, the, the, the work enough to become better and bigger and make more money. Because mm-hmm. who, that's who's the, in the safety zone. Yeah. waiting for a miracle to happen. Yeah, yeah. But just waiting for somebody to somehow, and that does happen, but it happens so seldom that I'd recommend trying to do something in between while that miracle is about to come your way. Mm-hmm. I also think that if you do take those risks and work harder and do scary things and, and push yourself to not necessarily do all the little things and all the, you know, the different bubbles on your little map there. But to do the most difficult stuff, to do the stuff that scares you the most, mm-hmm. because that might get you closer to that miracle happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that might get you closer to somebody noticing you that is worth being noticed by. Because as long as you're just there with the semi-mediocre, you know, okay. Yeah. How could anybody find you even? Right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be topping any. No, any searches but it's or not t- easy. I, I have no I am not in any way um, looking down on people who are in that position. I've been in that myself for years and years, pretty much all my life in terms of always looking for something. Not necessarily frantically looking, but I've always been willing, I've never had a path like in terms of, you know, this is my career, this is where I want to go. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Never, ever. And where I am now and what I'm doing now is as far from what I could have imagined. Really? 20 years ago, as could be. It was. Why is that? Why is that, do you think? And I will talk about that in Rome because it is so important to sort of understand where that how that can happen and it is because the one thing that i hated the most is public speaking oh really <laughs> i not only feared it i hated it i even hated people who did it <laughs> that's hardcore <laughs> yeah that's really serious i've been in so many places and i won't tell the story now because it sort of uh, is worth Save saving it for rome yeah but it is one of the reasons why I do understand that it is worth taking those risks. It mm-hmm. is worth jumping off that cliff mm-hmm. and and sort of hoping that, you know, somebody said that, you know, we we have come to the point where we are jumping off the the platform, in, in, you know, by a swimming pool and hoping that there is water in the pool. Mm. So it isn't just that you are hoping you can swim because mm-hmm. that's already a miracle. You're hoping there's water that once you splash onto the 
that either you are just dead because yeah. you killed yourself or there's actually water in which case you of course you're going to swim yeah of course you're going to swim a good analogy yeah so when you get to that point that you are ready to make that jump and and take that risk that there might not even be water let alone do i know how to swim yeah what happens often is that you jump not only is there water within seconds you are swimming and then you're turning on your back in the pool and thinking, holy Moses, and I almost didn't do this. Yeah. I almost didn't do this. And you can't wait to go back and jump again. Yeah. <laughs> now it becomes routine. And now you realize I'm a, quite the jumper, in fact. Mm. I like this stuff. It's like watching it, your kids. Um, it reminds me of actually just the swimming thing that you said. First, really scared of the water. And then once they discover, kind of the feeling it brings them of being in that being in the water jumping in the excitement then yeah. you know you can't get them out then no. there they are blue lips and for all. everybody there's always a few who will never like it yeah and who may have to you know live to be 55 before they do it or they may never they yeah. may stay for the rest of their lives as people who are afraid of water and that's also okay yeah but so many of the life and death cliffhangers that we create in our frantic lives and when you are afraid especially if money is an issue like if you have to really make a living and you're not doing it that takes a lot of mm -hmm. wisdom out of you mm -hmm. your creativity dies your 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 belief in yourself goes down and then you start making bad decisions you're getting smaller and smaller and smaller That's tighter awesome. and tighter lesson the sun doesn't shine anymore yeah no matter what yeah and it's hard and to that's, find like that's very common that's very usual pretty much every creative person whether they let you know or not then every small business person has been in that place yeah there's only a few and, and the funny thing is that we hear so much many more or maybe we just pay attention to them which is not necessarily a bad thing but hear about stories um stories about people who have made it you know against all odds and you know i'm one of them myself and then you think you know like i'm nothing you know i'll never do that and whatever but many people like that have spent years if not decades doing exactly what you are doing right. struggling exactly the same way having been so scared that they can't breathe anymore because they're so scared you know i have to make this sales call and i hate it and i don't even want the sale because i hate the people you know it's that sort of thing and still you feel you have to do it yeah yeah so i think the the when it comes to um especially creatives um I think one of the things is to sort of try to have the courage to go back to what it is that you love and what where it is that you have the potential of being really good. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we all, I mean, at least I do, deep down, I know what the answer to that question is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't, then you really don't have it. And then, like, just forgive yourself that that's not <laughs> the way to go. Yeah. Because there's a group well, you run into a lot of people too who um, who like the idea of being a designer or being a photographer or being a writer, but mm -hmm. they don't really like the work mm -hmm. of photography or hardcore writing or the tough life that it takes. Yeah. So it's like 
uh, you, when, one of the people that I really respected in the writing world, she said, in one of the presentations I heard her give, uh, Margaret Atwood, one of Canada's uh, best-known female writers, she said that you have to really decide whether you just like the idea of being a writer or do you actually write? Do you actually love writing? Mm -hmm. Or do you have the drive in you that you cannot not write? Yes. And she said, I'm the latter. Yeah. I wake up every morning and I must write. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like it. It's not good. Most of the time I don't, you know, I'm not happy with what I have done, but that's what I must do. Yeah, yeah. And of course, she's extremely good. And very few people like her, but that's what it is. And I, it's, it's one of the places where I realized that, yeah, yeah, I like the idea of being a writer. Yeah. I don't really like it enough. Yeah. To, to, I don't want it enough mm -hmm. to go through the process and there might still be a book or two in me I don't know but I know that it takes a lot of work I know that it's not good enough to just write what comes out of my head I wouldn't be happy with it so yeah. I know hard work that it would take yeah and it's uh, like you said asking yourself those those questions can be kind of uncomfortable because yeah. you know the answer might be that you know hey uh, and not to end this kind of interview on a on a on a negative note, but like, hey, I, I've put many years into this, and actually, it's not what I want to stick around with doing. But I yeah. know that sometimes that's kind of a, a cathartic moment too, when you realize yeah. that, okay, wow, okay, next chapter, you know, whatever. But but yeah, hopefully... and it, so that's one of the reasons why conferences like the Way Up North uh, conference are good. That if you are open, uh, you may find during such a two-day thing that you don't relate to most of the people, that you don't relate to those who are real hustlers or who are, you know, just really like sucking up everything and networking the daylights out of everything and doing all these things. And you're thinking like, Ugh, you know, I don't, ooh, who are these people? Do you have to be like that to be good in in this? And you can draw several uh, conclusions. One is that this is a conference. This is not where the people are doing their work. Right. Uh, certain kinds of people have signed up, mm -hmm. not everybody. So that's not necessarily the full sort of spectrum of who is there. And secondly, that it may be that you realize, and no, I don't really like this. Yeah. This is not what I want to be. I don't even like the industry. I don't even like the way they, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's good. Mm -hmm. It's like all of those things, they're, all, you know, they're bad if you have sort of spent some time uh, on this, as you said. But it's also good. It's like you have to test that, yeah. that passion. Because if you don't have that passion, and your passion may be different. So that although you go to a conference and you can't relate to anybody and you don't even like the stuff they're doing, that doesn't mean you can't be a good wedding photographer. No, no, no. no. It, it just means what that happened, what what happened there gave you an insight into yourself mm. that might help you become yeah. either better in being your kind of photographer or say, no, nah, uh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. This is it. So that's why they are worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Well, because it's good. I think to 
you have to be open to seeing your own image there in terms of do I really is this who I am is this who I want to be yeah and I think that if people those those coming to Rome are able to sit when you speak and really be I mean it sounds cliche be honest with themselves but really take down all those yeah but I I love this and I'm connected here and I, I like you said all those things that you kind of build up around you um I mean amazing things can happen I think it's it's mm -hmm. it's um it's good I look forward for those people who will get to experience that with you yeah and also you may connect with other people who think exactly the same way yeah although it isn't maybe said publicly but you sit with somebody and like did you get that do you know like do you understand are you do you agree with us no oh you don't and suddenly you have realized that what you are thinking isn't that different right so that's why and we could get to another really good topic here which is the value of personal connections mm, yeah in person meetings which is why i believe that the conference and meeting and this sort of gathering stuff as as you have seen is getting bigger and bigger although we thought that when everybody can do anything online we'll never have to meet anybody again no it's actually become more crucial mm, mm. that's why it's kind of nice when we skype like this uh when some people say oh let's just do it by call I feel like even just seeing each other now is like yeah. it's quite. You do get you get so many other other signals that you obviously yeah. don't have if you're just sitting on the phone like this and you yeah. know you're not. <laughs> you're not absolutely, committed. absolutely. So. I have no no question that just being in the physical presence, even through Skype or some yeah. other video conferencing methods is really really important yeah we yeah. need to see each other's faces we are programmed like that yeah. babies that's what the first yeah. thing is they do mm -hmm. is yeah they find the mother's face and seeing the signals all around like yeah. Mm, yeah. what are they wearing what are they you know <laughs> the body language it's it's you are not using your brain you're using your instincts and your emotions and right. that's a totally different thing than you know being on the phone and talking Yeah. They're reacting to a voice, yeah. which also has emotional, uh, you know, value and and weight, but it's still not the same as seeing face to face. Definitely not. Well, I'm I'm so glad we finally, finally. made this happen. It was it was a tough road there. It was touch and go for a while, Toya. But uh, thanks no, for hanging. No, it was fun and fun also that we're on this like neighboring in the yeah. neighboring country, so we didn't. I'm looking right up. now outside my window here. It is snowing like crazy, so I feel like we're kind of in the same same space here. Winter, winter yeah, it's space. It's not snowing here, but it is minus sixteen. Oh wow! Okay, it's you know from me from Vancouver. I'm I'm freezing, but I do have warm clothes, so I should be okay. You do have that Finnish blood running through your veins somehow. Oh, you it can... doesn't do any good though. I have <laughs> never been a good per no, really. Like I'm a real. I don't like cold and I don't, uh, you know, tolerate it well either. So, But you're quite thin, so I think you don't have enough, um, you know. Yeah, I don't have enough padding to Padding, to yeah. <laughs> But I have down coats, so I will be good. Okay, that's good. Well, good Excellent. luck today. Have a great conference. And uh, I look forward to perhaps seeing you in Rome. And, um, yes. Yeah, and letting people hear what you're all about, which was nice. Nice to get Thank a little bit of an introduction. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. You bye. Too. bye. Bye. Bye.
Hi, this is Brooke DeVard from Naked Beauty. Are you tired of feeling housebound? I sure am. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. It's a high-performance auto curler that's rechargeable and gives you up to 60 minutes of cord-free runtime. Just think of all of the incredible hair looks you can create in 60 minutes unbound away from your wall. Don't get tied down by cords. Love your look. Live unbound. Check it out at conair.com and search unbound. Unbound. 